everyone. Thank you for listening to The Death of VHS, the movie review podcast. Please remember that the language and topics might not be suitable in a typical work environment, as there might be strong language or triggering topics during the review of movies, ranging from a G rating to an R rating. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to a special Easter episode of The Death of VHS. I am Jones. Today, we will be discussing the second entry in the View universe and everyone's favorite Easter film. I'm, of course, talking about nothing other than the 1995 film Mallrats. With me today are Oni and Richie. I believe Daly and Jamie are out on their honeymoon somewhere. By my estimation, they're somewhere off the Amalfi Coast by now. Uh, Oni, Richie, how you guys doing today? Nucci Nucci's. I'm doing great. <laughs> Bong. I'm loving it. <laughs> Fantastic. Good day today. <laughs> awesome. I love to hear it. All right. So let's jump right in. Uh, we're reviewing Mallrats, um, which is basically a film about a pair of friends um, who happen to both be dumped by their girlfriends on the same day. And they head to their local mall where we have the uh, patented Viewisk Universe uh, shenanigans happening. Um, a delightful cast of reoccurring characters or actors that we see in a lot of uh, Kevin Smith films. Uh, but before we get into the movie, um, Richie, why don't you hit us with some of the, the numbers on Mallrats? Yeah, um, I would love to do that. So, Mall Rats came out in 1995. Like Jones already said, it's the second entry of uh, Kevin Smith, second movie he ever made. Um, had a little over a $6 million budget, which uh, was about $12 million given inflation today. Um, it was a box office flop, though. It only made a little over $1 mil, um, its opening weekend and just barely... Two million gross worldwide, um, so I mean it, it barely recouped a third of its money um, that it took to make it, um, which is a shame. But uh, it's um, got a fifty-eight uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just a tragedy. But it has an audience rating of eighty-two percent, so I guess there's a little bit of um, validation there. There we go. That's uh, critically, I think most Kevin Smith movies don't do well, um, but they do have sort of a, a cult following, especially the Viewisk Universe stuff with Jay and Silent Bob and all them. So yeah, it's good to see that the audience uh, dug it. Um, so uh, why don't we just uh, jump right into the to the movie and talking about the movie? Um, what are your guys's favorite, least favorite um, parts of the movie? Uh, favorite part um, has got to be I mean there, there's so many just good parts in it um, that's kind of hard to pick a single favorite I, I think what little bit of sentiment I have really love the Stan Lee part um, just the whole conversation Stan had with Brody I mean I, I pretty much love seeing Stan Lee in anything um but especially when it's not like one of his Marvel cameos, it's just really cool. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, probably probably the Stan Lee part would be my favorite part. Um, definitely not, you know, the funniest or anything like that. There's so many other great parts, but single favorite part would have to be Stan Lee talking to Brody about the one that got away. There was a time when it was all about comics for me. You know, I, I had a girl probably the same as yours. She always complained that I spent too much time with my own comics. And uh, eventually we broke up. See, what did she know? Here you are now, a legend in the field. Probably had a slew of women since her, am I right? Oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, last time I looked, I was way ahead. Damn, that's hot! But I never forgot that girl. Well, did you ever get back together with her? One day I found out she got married. I had blown it. I had uh, missed my window. No way. Well, what'd you do? I went on with my life. I created some special new superheroes. Uh, they were characters that reflected my own heartbreak and my own regrets. How so? Dr. Doom wears body armor to conceal his own mangled form, right? Yeah. Okay. That was me beneath the armor. The Hulk. A normal guy one minute, a rage of emotions the next. Just like me when I thought about what I'd given up. So you created each character as a way to deal with your one big regret. Yeah, the girl that got away. Look, do yourself a favor, Brody. Don't wait. Because all the money, all the women, even all the comic books in the world, they can't substitute for that one person. I don't know, all the comics in the world? Trust me, true believer. Such a solid, solid moment for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think it was me, all set up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Part. Oh, I know that's right. Yeah, we we find out that TS uh, put Stan up to it. Uh, still a good moment. Doesn't take away from it. Um, I think for me, I like. I'm I'm a huge Jay and Silent Bob fan. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing Jason Mewes. He's just so ridiculous as Jay. There's the things that he says and what mm-hmm. he does and even just how he moves, like his little dances. Um, so definitely the favorite part of the movies for me is anytime we see Jason Mewes or Kevin Smith on screen doing their, you know, shenanigans, they're always up to some ridiculous um, scheme. And uh, I just love the the first time we see them, they're in front of a, like a little pet store um, with some kittens in like a window display. And uh, we see Silent Bob <laughs> trying to use the force. <laughs> what was that only? Sorry. There were some gerbils behind him, too, in that pet store, which oh, goes to the opening yeah, line of the film. Gerbils, gerbils, yes, gerbils. It's, <laughs> I forget. Yeah, the, the opening with uh, the story that Brody, Brody's telling about his cousin or something, you know, having a, a cat. He's buying cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To get the um, gerbil out of his butt. Yep. yep. That's a nice <laughs> little callback. Solid Kevin Smith opening of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that kind of sets up the whole movie there. Uh, so what what you'll be expecting. Um, but yeah, so my, my favorite part is is probably when we first see Jay and Silent Bob and, you know, Brody and T.S. go up to him. You know, they're obviously trying to um, sabotage the show that his ex-girlfriend's dad's putting on at the mall. I just love seeing um, Jason and uh kevin smith there and just seeing silent bob try to use the force to move the <laughs> cigarette because they had just watched jedi 
and he's just like concentrating and the cigarette's just not moving and Jason Mewes just keeps smacking it out of his hand like you know Knock it what off. are you doing you idiot like <laughs> so yeah for me I think that's probably the the favorite part because you know I'm such a fan of those two guys what, See, what about that's you that's super funny super funny you say that because written down like on my notes of the movie when I'm like favorite part is literally any part with Jay and Silent mm-hmm. Bob. There you like go. Like my personal favorite part. <laughs> any any time with Jay and Silent Bob. More specifically for the reason that we can call this an Easter episode. <laughs> when Jay and Silent Bob just lay into that that fake costume wearing Easter bunny <laughs> because they because Brody tells them that that's the person who beat me up, which is untrue. <laughs> So they're just like, fuck it, we're going to go get this Easter Bunny. And then they just beat the crap out of him in, in front of a bunch of kids waiting in line for photos. And it's so funny because that specific scene, it was either going to be the Easter Bunny or Santa. And when when uh, Kevin Smith, there was this interview that he did about it, uh, he literally talked about, it was one of his own, like, I think, like his own reflections of it he kevin smith has this this fan club and he releases videos for it you can check it out on his website but um he literally was talking about how it could either be the easter bunny or santa for this movie when he was creating it and it just so happened that it was in springtime (laughs) so it just landed on the easter bunny getting beat up (laughs) because he really wanted because he's he was like it's low-hanging fruit like this obviously low-hanging fruit if you ever were in a mall in the 90s, even some malls around my town still to this day do Easter Bunny and Santa shoots. And it's just, it was so funny. So funny to watch. <laughs> Especially because that line of kids, they were in scenes before uh, <laughs> seeing a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> and that was super funny too. I love the stereograms. Yeah, um, poor Willem that they, that they have in it. Poor I Willem. felt so bad for Willem. <laughs> He's such a talented actor. I'm I'm right there with him. I have never been able to see those. I mean, <laughs> never, never. Those uh, never. What are they call the 3D, the magic, magic photos. Yeah, like those are just no. Oh, they were everywhere yes. in the 90s too, yep. in early uh, so 2000s. I know, I've I always know been exactly, able to see it. So that's so funny. I know exactly how Willem felt because I have never seen this <laughs> ever. <laughs> Those are so good, but yeah, anything with Jane Silent Bob. That I mean, they they they're the glue that holds every of that universe together. Period. Yeah. No, you're like right. they so do. Mm-hmm. All the rest of the characters, they're interchangeable. Like they and all the rest of the actors play different characters, but Jay and Silent Bob is literally the only, uh, the only constant in that universe, and it's just great, great to see, especially when you think about it. Uh, Kevin Smith has done many interviews over this over this movie, but more specifically, Jason was not going to get that role. He got that role because Kevin literally went at bat for him. Uh, but Seth Green was actually on standby. Oh, for what? for Jay. Mm-hmm. And he literally was on on call. Like if Jay didn't show up, or if Jason didn't show up to be Jay. Seth Green would have flew out to Minnesota because that's where they shot it. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and imagine how that universe would be so different, vastly different. I can't just, see. just see Seth Green. Not only just the sizing, right? Because yeah. Seth Green's a short dude. Like, and he's really funny. Don't get me wrong. I love Seth Green and all the stuff that he's done as Scotty. You know, 
Dr. Evil's son, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you, just the difference, the just the stark contrast of those two individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, his comedy is so nuts. much more like, like slapsticky, you know, mm-hmm. than Jason. And, and then very physical. And, yeah, and, and like Jones had said, and, like and raunchy. Like Jones said, yeah. even just his like the way he moves. You know, I mean, thinking of that opening scene or that that first scene we see them in from the pet store, and just the way he's dancing and like following the women <laughs> that walk by. You know, and just exactly. what he's doing. You know, it's just like <laughs> I mean, how it, 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 there's no way. You know that that is so what we all think of now as Jay and. Yeah, there definitely yes. wouldn't be that ever without Jason Mewes there. Yeah, yeah, agree. The personification of Jay would never exist if anyone else did it. And every fan will agree with that. Yeah, there, uh, there's no way. Jay it, personified. Yeah, no one else could ever fill that role as well as he did. Yeah, thank you. I like Seth Green, but I'm I'm very happy he didn't make it into, <laughs> yes. into these movies as Jay. Yeah. Imagine, imagine Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or Dogma or anything that followed it. Oh man, having having Seth Green in there and you're just like, and it, it's because we grew up as Jason Mewes as, as Jay, right? Yeah. Like even then, because Clerks, this is the second second one, and it's technically a prequel because Clerks came out first, right? But this is set before Clerks, so you already see him there. In Clerks, but seeing him in Mallrats is is a completely different thing. Not only is it, um, not only is it like you know a prequel, but it's also who else? Uh, uh, ben Affleck's first <laughs> first appearance in this universe as well. Oh, he's right. such he's a been jerk in it too. Every single one of them since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his character is just <laughs> the worst. Uh, and then you also have uh, Jason Lee's first appearance as well. And Jason Lee, this was his first ever gig as well, first one. Yeah. His first, first film, and uh, and that he just smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. Yeah, agreed. He's um he's really really good as Brody, and you know he 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 has that character recur, and I believe two more of Kevin Smith's movies where he plays Brody, and it's just mm-hmm. he's perfect. Jason Lee, he's great in this. Um, what about least favorite part or? you know, some character or a line or something that you guys didn't like. Ooh, least favorite part. Um, probably the whole, like, it's saying a little bit, but the whole, like, statutory rape thing. Ah. It's odd to, to, to see that now. Mm. Right. It was played out as, as an experiment, right? This, this, 15 year old girl is doing an experiment because she's super smart doing research, getting paid to do it basically. Yeah. But that was just a really odd plot line. <laughs> like that's definitely a before two thousands plot line that you could do in films. So that was, that's kind of like the only one that's like, uh, that's kind of gross. Like yep. every, like there's some, there's some scenes in the movie that are gross. Right. <laughs> for sure. I mean, the, and this is my pitch for for our uh, our personal rating, but I was gonna ask if we could do melted pretzels. Uh, but I you, mean, like, you there's read some. My mind. <laughs> 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 there's 
there's some there's some really gross stuff about this movie but that kind of that's like one of those that kind of goes over the line yeah nowadays for sure <laughs> damn it only you you uh you spoiled it you I, right, it. I, I i called it <laughs> yep. dude i'm just gonna start pointing to the fence now like <laughs> everyone I'm gonna point to the fence what uh what about you richie uh, yeah i mean i think anything that dealt with shannon hamilton um you know ben affleck's character Mm-hmm. Just aggravating. Like he was <laughs> such a jerk for no reason. Um, His clothes were super baggy. On and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, if that's what they sell at fashionable male, then you know, no, <laughs> that's where I'd want to shop. But um, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if it's a big and tall store, but man, was that huge on his on his body? <laughs> but you know, just the the way he, uh, you know, when he admits the reason, the only reason he go, he's going after Renee. Um, you know, after he beats up Brody and, and, you know, just even at the elevator earlier in the movie, when we see, um, you know, when TS is distracting him and he's just like so quick to like threaten violence for no reason at all, other than I is just talking to him, you know, just, so I think anything that dealt with Shannon Hamilton was just probably, I mean, that's, that's what, how the character was made for. He was made to hate. You know, and yeah, he definitely uh, did that job well. Yes. Yeah. Well written douchebag. Yep. For sure. Yeah. He was sort of a Chad Absolutely. before Chads were a thing, you know? <laughs> That's sort of alpha Pro- props male. Props to Kevin Smith on his character development. Cause, yeah. yeah. Super douche. <laughs> Big time. Oh, yeah. But um, for, for me, I think it's probably the whole dating game. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the whole statutory rape thing's really bad too. Um, I know that even at the time, the actress who played Trisha Renee Humphrey was about twenty. She looked nothing like fifteen, but like the moment they mention she's fifteen and they're talking about these experiments that she's doing, it's just like whoa! That it it always shocks me that I, I, I it takes me a minute to like register like damn she was fifteen in the movie. That's like pretty crazy. But um, yeah, my my least favorite part is probably the third act, um, just the entirety of the of the dating game. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably my least favorite part of the whole movie, other than the parts where we see Silent Bob, you know, finally <laughs> the the whole running gag of him trying to use the force. <laughs> we finally see the the culmination, the payoff, <laughs> where he pulls the VHS tape up, um, you know, after. Willem, you know, kicks the lighting rig or whatever. It knocks the VHS tape like, into his hands. Why can't I see it? Why yeah. me? Kicks it. <laughs> so, like, it yeah, just that, pops into his hand. I, I love that payoff of of the whole force gag. But um, yeah, e- easily that whole third of the movie at the end um is probably my least favorite. But you know, it's okay. I still it still had its redeeming parts. Um, it was nice to see Shannon get his comeuppance. Um, mm-hmm. And in, you know, typical douche fashion, he's telling the cop arresting him, like, come on, tell me you wouldn't have popped that. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty douchey thing to say. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see him get his at the end. But what about, uh, what about overall opinions on, uh, on the movie? What, uh, what do you guys think overall? Uh, I think opinion-wise, uh, I like... I like like Kevin Smith movies. I really do. In fact, like, uh, I first saw this film in, in 2010, basically, uh, it was on kind of on my buddy's couch living. It was in between stuff. Anyway, 
don't matter. And uh, he <laughs> he had fanboys. I watched fanboys with him. It was one of those very typical, um, you know, uh, Brody and his best bud just on the couch doing nothing days for sure. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it was just channeling that kind of energy. But I watched, we basically just had a marathon of Kevin Smith movies. And I've, like, half of them I didn't see at that time. Like, I was really not really allowed to see anything. I think the only one that I saw previous to that was Clerks 2. And uh, and that being the one that I saw really <laughs> set the stage for, for Kevin Smith movies, right? <laughs> um, but we just binged them. And I don't know if it was brainwashing or Stockholm Syndrome or whatever else, but I fell in love with Kevin Smith movie. Like I got it, I understood what he was trying to say, especially in this one, which is just such a uh, encapsulating the '90s mm-hmm. of the such an epic fashion. You know, you you have not only the place where people were hanging out, late '90s, mid '90s, even into the early 2000s, from my recollections. That's when malls kind of like took a dive. Is when Amazon really became a thing, right? Like a lot, not a lot of people were shopping uh, physically anymore at that point. So just having that person who's like Brody saying, "This is my mall." Like, when did this become a thing? Why is this here? When did this get here? How am I so out of touch with my mall? And him just hanging out with a buddy at the mall because <laughs> that's what you did back then. Yeah, was really cool. But I mean, he also had like music that encapsulated you had a weezer soundtrack on there with suzanne you had a bunch of cool like 90s era stuff the only comic that you really see getting played out a lot is batman right because you had silent bob dressed up as batman the whole the whole movie and the reason for that is that not a lot of movies around at that point were anything but batman like, that was the only comic book superhero movies you had at that time. Right. And they weren't coming out, like, in succession like you have nowadays. And it really opened the f- the floor for that kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, for me, I think Brody is a great written character. I think Jason Lee, for his first attempt, really, like, brought that character to life. And he got that part because he made Kevin Smith laugh during the audition. <laughs> and... uh I mean, picture yourself as Kevin Smith watching this get like over and over a different person saying the line over every single time and then having somebody make you laugh about it, like actually bring that, that, that kind of stands to point of why Jason Lee was chosen. But I mean, you're, you're saying, I'm sure I've had the exact conversation that Brody had about how the like Annie Ann's pretzels on the second floor (laughs) is not part of the food court. Because it's not <laughs> in the food court. We've had those discussions. <laughs> it is an like, autonomous has snacking area. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like prior to the, the just adding two different food courts, like one of there's a place in town. I have a mall here. It's called West Roads. Check it out. But there's two different food courts in there because one is more of the like dating scene food court. And then the other one's the original that has, like, Taco Bell Express <laughs> and Sabaro's Express. <laughs> the other one's more like a hipster scene. It's just stupid. <laughs> like, it's really dumb. But, I mean, and there's a movie theater attached to it, so they're trying to play that whole, like, you can 
go out to dinner and have a movie in the same location. But either way, like, sure, they call it a commons. It's all dumb. But, I mean, like, those are the conversations that you had back then. Because that's what you were talking about. That's what you're doing with your friends. So, I mean, overall, the movie for me was really cathartic in a in a way. It really brought me back and kind of recentered me on on how stupid the world kind of was back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to have like that as more of a reflection piece now would probably would have done better nowadays than it would on its release. Uh, I can see why people didn't like the film. I can see why that rating was low by critics. Right. Especially coming off of the success that Clerks was, because it was very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I like the movie. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the cult fans, for sure, of anything Kevin Smith. So I'm really biased. Like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was... I've, I've always as, as loved this movie. I think... I first saw it probably mid two thousands. I found it in like a bargain DVD bin, um, or it might have even this one might have even been like a used DVD from Blockbuster that I bought maybe, um, and I didn't have a clue what it was, but it just something about the cover spoke to me. I don't know why, and I picked it up, and um, yeah, I think I, I also think for some reason Clerks Two was the first Kevin Smith movie I saw. So that was the only thing I knew about Kevin Smith at the time. But, um, you know, watching this movie, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, and I still do. I, I, this is one of many movies that um, has become a part of my vocabulary. I quote so much stuff from this movie, um, <laughs> often without any context whatsoever. But sometimes when it's appropriate, you know, uh, you know, I, I love yelling out, that kid is on the escalator again. Um, oh every time God, I see an escalator, escalator kid bit. Um, you know, uh, or oh. telling telling people that they need to be conditioned to fear and respect the escalator. Um, <laughs> you know, <I> mean, <clears throat> stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I think about the stink palm often. Um, you know, it's just so it's such an outlandish thing that Brody did, um, and uh, I mean, I, I think Brody is one of those just like timeless characters because we all, you know, I think probably can identify uh, at least one buddy of ours who's kind of just that, you know, that layabout, like no ambition, just game, comic books, you know, repeat like live in a mom's basement kind of thing, you know? I mean, it's, it's so relatable. I think we all have a, a friend like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I always have liked this movie. I always will. Um, you know, there's just so much about it. You know, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, too. I think as far as the movies were there, you know, where they're just side characters, I think this is probably my favorite role for them, like, you know, as involved as they are. You know, I mean, like, Clerks, yeah, okay, we see them, and, um, you know, in, in those movies, but I just loved how involved and how integral to the plot they are in Mallrats. Um, you know, and, and I really like how, yeah, they're just a, a couple of, you know, 
guys who just hang out in front of stores and, you know, sell and or do drugs all day long. But, you know, they're both still huge nerds. Like, even Jay, as he's making fun of everybody, you know, is quoting, like, sci-fi and all this, you know. Like when he knocked out LaFours with the baseball bat and he holds it over his head and, (laughs) you know, bow down to the mighty Zod, you know. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, to me, that was one of the first things I remember that almost, like, glorified nerd culture, you know, like, you know, they're running from the fours and, you know, and first just sign up Bob zooming past them, you know, he's running from them, but has to, past them <laughs> to run from them. And then, uh, saves the day with his Batman Gatling grappling hook, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's so ridiculous, but, uh, you know, that's the stuff that I think just makes this a great movie. And, um, yeah, I, I've just, I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal film. Yeah, I that was a hundred percent Kevin Smith too. Like, if, if you don't know, fun fact is that the comic books displayed in Brody's basement, his collection, is all Kevin Smith's. Oh, that's yes. his. That's all of his his collection, and obviously it has grown astronomically <laughs> since that point because Kevin Smith's a huge, huge comic book nerd. But I'll get into it later. Uh, when I get when I talk about Kevin Smith's take, but that's a hundred percent Kevin Smith's writing, like come to life, like he's huge into comics. Mm-hmm. Big comic book geek. Um, as for myself, yeah, I I'm with both of you. I'm just a huge fan of Kevin Smith, Jane, Silent Bob, the whole Viewers universe. Um, I love how Kevin Smith writes these movies. It definitely took me back to the 90s, going to the mall, hanging out with a buddy, um, you know, just being there and, and, you know, kicking back. And same thing, like Oni brought up, the soundtrack, you know, Sublime, Weezer, Silverchair, Bush. These are all, like, big bands that were, like, huge during the 90s. Um, So the music, it brings you back. Just the fashion, you know, seeing especially Shannon with those big baggy (laughs) suits. Uh, that just is oversized for him. It's just, it's totally takes you back to the nineties in the middle nineties. Um, and I think Kevin Smith and, you know, whoever does their, you know, props and costume design and all that. They just, I mean, obviously it was filmed in the nineties, so it's not like they were, you know, going back in time, but it just, it all just, it fits so well and it just takes you back. And I love that. Um, I love Jane Silent Bob, uh, the, the entire cast even too, Shannon Doherty, um, you have Claire Forlani. Uh, we have some really good actors, actresses uh, in the movie and Joey Lauren Adams who recurs a few times in Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael Rooker's in there uh, as Svenning and he does a really good job. Um, uh, of course, Willem. Yeah, he's the <laughs> asshole dad. Yes. Oh yeah. man. He's, yeah, Svenning. He's dead. And he, oh. He's such a, and he's he became a household name later in a comic book superhero movie. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And uh, um, you know, yeah, like uh, you mentioned earlier too, with Willem and the whole uh, spectrogram, those illusion pictures. You know, even, <laughs> even though he's not like a huge part of the movie, just the scenes he's in are great. Um, so just all the little things just really add up to make a fun movie that i can just watch over and over and that i have watched over and over 
I love it. It's it always gets a laugh out of me. Um, you know, I cringe at the parts like the pretzel, you know, the stink palm. Um, it's it just it it, it makes you it, you know it's uh, it, it gets you. And uh, Kevin Smith just does a really good job with the writing and the directing and acting. Um, like Richie mentioned, the oh. the grappling hook and outrunning Lafours and his team of security guards uh, just to catch up to Jay and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just so good. I love it. I love all the force bits and the geeky parts and Stan Lee. Um, it's just, it all together comes to make a, a great film, in my opinion. And yeah, I, I love it. I recommend it to, you know, anyone who wants to, like, watch just a fun 90s comedy movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely one of my favorite 90s comedies. Of which there are plenty. The 90s were a great era oh, for oh, comedy yeah. movies. Especially in the 95, like mid-90s. Yeah. Comedies were left and right that were all stellar. Yes. We had a lot of really good comedies. <laughs> so thank you to Kevin Smith for, for putting us into the Viewersk universe and sh- sharing Jay and Silent Bob with us because those guys are amazing. But yeah, so um, let's uh, let's let's move on to um, could this movie be made today? Um, let's uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and put my opinion here on it. I, I think it totally could. I think it's a it's a good buddy movie with a lot of you know funny side characters and you know it's a simple setting. It's just it all takes place in a mall, other than you know the the basement part at the beginning and you know the girlfriend's house. It's a simple movie, low budget. You know, I mean, six million isn't low, low budget, but it's not a high budget either. Um, I'm sure nowadays it would take a lot more money than that. But I think, you know, other than maybe the whole 15 year old, you know, with the sex experiment part, I think the movie could easily be made today um, without any major rework to the script. Uh, what do you What do you think, Oni? Yeah, I'd agree. Like, that would be the biggest revision that came to the script. I'm not sure if the topless psychic part might make <laughs> it in the flea market, but and I like that. I like that contrast you get of, like, a formalized mall with shops and stuff, and then you also get the flea market side of of what the 90s really were in, in, in shopping venues. I like that you get the duality there. Right. But I, I'm not sure if that bit would, would uh, stay in it. It depends on what <laughs> what final rating, but I agree. I think it could be made. Uh, I'm not sure if it would do too well either, only because what people want out of like comic book movies um, is is very different nowadays. Right. I think it would have to be sold as like and marketed as like a reflection of the '90s kind of thing. Of course, if it's Kevin Smith now, obviously there there is plans for a Mallrats too. As announced, it's been delayed a lot, so don't hold your breath. Yeah. But, I mean, um, they're going to try and – Kevin's going to try to push it through because he, he definitely is a smart mind on, on stuff. And he's like, whatever you guys want me to do to, to sell my movies, like, I'll do it. Um, but I think, yeah, it could be made some slight revisions, and I think it would have to be marketed super differently than what it is now. And it would be only for the Kevin – Kevin Smith cult following right. the SKU universe people for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the story, you know, it, it's a pretty 
classic story, you know, guy gets dumped, tries to get her back, and, you know, there's hijinks in between. That's that's a pretty standard format, I think. Um, so I think that part, yeah, that they wouldn't have any problem making that. The thing that gets me, though, is, I mean, the mall now is not the same as it was 30 years ago, you know, when, when this movie was made. I mean, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people could tell me I'm wrong, but, you know, people just don't go and hang out at malls like they used to, you know? I mean, I mean, I can just think around, around me, there's several former malls that are either just laying completely abandoned or have been turned into like condos, you know, or something like that. I mean, it's, you know, the mall is dying out. Um, and I, so I, I just don't know that the setting could be relevant today. You know, there definitely have to be some changes as to where this kind of thing happened. And um, But other than that, I think all the other elements are there. You know, the the comedy is still funny today. The the kind of gross-out stuff, you know. You know, Svenny, Mr. Svenny licking his fingers <laughs> after the... Pink palm and the pretzels, you know, uh, you know that kind of stuff. That's always going to have the same, I think, level of entertainment value. So, uh, yeah, there there definitely have to be some um, definite changes, you know, some modifications. But yeah, absolutely, this could still be made today and get the story across. That's I a love good how point. you talk about malls now are so different. I don't go to malls. We have four technically where I live. One is just the worst mall you'll ever see. It's so barren, empty. <laughs> it was attached to a target. Like it was it's bad. Nobody goes to that one because literally like 3 miles up the road is the one of the more popular malls, that one that has the movie theater in it. I'm not I haven't even been to that one in years even. And then we have one that's way out west that's still like an in indoor mall and then one way way out west that is an outdoor mall which is also odd uh but yeah i don't i'm too old for malls for sure <laughs> like it's only for the high school kids to do burnouts in the parking lot or go to the cheesecake factory that's in the parking lot <laughs> that's literally it <laughs> like way too old for malls totally agree yeah, I um I have several malls near me too, and it's funny that um Richie did mention you know there are a lot of malls that have you know gone out of business and they're just kind of empty buildings now, and we got a few of those too. But um just over spring break last month, um, my oldest daughter, who's in eighth grade, her and her friends went and, ha- and hung out at the mall for about three hours. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> I. I don't even remember how old I was the last time I hung out at a mall, but just having her go and hang out with friends there, um, you know, going to whatever the different stores are, hanging out um, at the mall and having food and, you know, just being teenagers. um, I thought that was kind of cool. And it's funny too, only because this one has a target attached. There's a cheesecake factory (laughs) across the street. So it's like, it's like a rubber stamp. These malls are all the same, man. It's it's just the same. They're they're cookie cutter ones with with the best cookie places in there. A Cinnabon, 
that's what I want in my malls. Hot Topic and Cinnabon. That's where. That's <laughs> there why you go. I go to mall. That's the last time I went to a, went to the mall was for a Hot Topic t shirt. I think for like Blink One Eighty Two shirt. I needed one for uh for the concert. There you that go. Was in town. I was like, I need a new one. I have one for literally every day of the week for two weeks, but I needed a new one, a fresh one that's not super faded. But yeah, it's crazy, man. Hot Topic, Cinnabon. That's yep. all I need. Yep. Where else are you going to find a Hot Topic? <laughs> Gotta go to True. the mall. Like, there's no standalone Hot Topic stores. That's insane. Yeah. Like, nobody would. Nobody <laughs> would do that. They have to have the music. Uh, imagine Abercrombie and Fitch. As its own standalone thing. Yeah. Or American Eagle. Just the reflections of, of that is just crazy. <laughs> Dumb. Foot Locker? Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So malls have their place. The stores in them appear to be, you know, kind of universal. Every state, every city you go to is going to have that same mall with the same layout, the same stores. And where else Probably are you going to get this mall's the better mall. Where else are you going to get yeah. your pewter wizards? There you go. <laughs> That's yes. true, right? That's very the, true. The, the Far East treasures. <laughs> <laughs> pewter wizards. I'll take the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So great. Yes. So let's go. I want to hear your guys' final thoughts on the movie and, and maybe the whole 90s era mall. What do you guys think? <laughs> Um, I want to go back to Richie's point on how, like, he said Jay and Silent Bob were still integral to the plot. Uh, this this movie is technically called an ensemble movie. It's not, there's no one lead character. Every character has their purpose. They have about the same amount of screen time. People can say Brody, TC are, are the main two, but it's still an ensemble-based format mm-hmm. which i think is our first one that we've ever reviewed I, I i could see an argument for like beetlejuice kind of an ensemble style um but it follows the direct path of two the dead people right people who died but this one was very much ensemble and it's it's cool that you get that kind of vibe from it all because that's how malls kind of work everybody has their own little story so it was very meta to me to kind of like look at and 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 be able to be entertained by that because you have different interactions at different locations all that other fun stuff everybody has their part and it all converges on the plot itself too so right. having that and that's very kevin smith style of it all except for like jay and silent bob strike back and dogma like it, it follows a lot of different plots and different stories he's a very ensemble writer so I thought that was pretty cool about it all. Um, honestly, it, it it I've seen a couple interviews, watched them. We'll have links down in the description. Go check them out; they're really cool. And uh, my big focus was on uh, Jason Lee's kind of style because this was his first film. He did want to like do good at it, and uh, the very first one he did about this was about Mallrats. Um, for the Bobby, Bobby show, it's, uh, happened in September 22nd of 1995. And you could tell Jason is just super uncomfortable. Like, cause it's his first interview. He's like, doesn't really know his responses. He didn't like, kind of like practice what they might say. And it's super funny. Cause he talks about, basically he talks about skateboarding. 
He wants to hang out with Tom Waits because that's the actor he really wants to do. It wasn't like a big name, but Tom Waits just does different stuff every single time, and that's what was important to him. And uh, and he speaks about how he got the role because he made Kevin laugh. And then you fast forward to like this year, he did uh, for the Nines Club an interview, a podcast interview, and he goes into his home whole filmography, a lot of skateboarding talk because that's what he was doing at that time. But you can see the different level of comfortability. He already has done all those movies with Kevin Smith. He's done Syndrome and The Incredibles because he was the voice of Syndrome, which blew my mind because I'm like, I never thought it was his voice. But now, like, thinking back, watching that movie, I'm like, yeah, that holy crap, that's that's Jason Lee. But he just you see how comfortable he is and, and how he's grown in it. And it's all because he wanted to just go straight for film. He's like, I don't care about these small little commercial stuff. I don't want to do any of that anymore. He he didn't have an agent. It was just a, a friend of his that he's known for a long time. And he told her, he's like, I just want to do film. I want to be in film. That's where it is. And that's what he targeted, and that's what he got. And uh, he, he spoke about on the Nines Club about how, <laughs> after Mallrats, Kevin wanted him to go to San Diego Comic-Con, 1995 or 96. And he's like, I don't want to go, Kevin, because I don't know a damn thing about comics. <laughs> and my character is the complete opposite. Like, I don't want to go to this. And it was just so funny to me because everybody's asking him, what's his favorite superhero? You know, stuff like that. And he's like, uh, nobody at Comic-Con asked me about comics. <laughs> it was like completely opposite of what I expected. He's like, obviously, I went to be on a panel and they were just asking about mall rats. And he's like, it's just funny because my personal life is complete opposite of Brody, but he just brought Brody to life so much. And uh, it, it was just really funny. And a big thing about all that, and, and Kevin, I've watched one for Kevin, and Kevin talks about how big of a flop it was. Like he was unsure if he had to pay the $5 million it lost back <laughs> like because that was his first flop. So he was unsure of how any of that works. And obviously it became a cult classic because it was able to be on VHS. That's how it survived. You ha- you didn't have YouTube, you know, making it. You didn't have any of that kind of conversation. This was all pre that. So the fact that it was on video and VHS, VHS tapes, if you store them correctly, will last forever. That's how it kept going, why it got its cult status. And he just talks about how, you know, um, there wasn't any movies made around superheroes. So he had a, like, in his writing for this this film, he had a talk about and had the characters actually speak about that comic book reference that Jay is making with the Wolverines, you know, Wolverine's claws going going fury mode. Yeah. He's like, I had I had to write it in for Brody to speak about. So Brody is just saying, see, that's funny because of this, or he's doing that because of this in this comic book. Right. And Jason has no, like, he's just trusting <laughs> Kevin's knowledge of comic books completely. And it just ties it. If, man, Kevin's just a genius. I love <laughs> Kevin. Also that's trusting like, his curiosity <laughs> about superhero genitalia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that too. <laughs> talking with Stan Lee, no less. <laughs> can can Mr. Fantastic stretch, you know, everything? 
Dude, yeah, no. This just that level of of Kevin bringing that stuff and and making comic books. It, it honestly paved the way for a lot of comic book movies to come out after that. Like just for that status. But it's really I love the movie. I really do. I love it. What about uh what about you, Richie? What's your final thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I I've pretty much said it all so far. It's just I, I can't help but feel good after watching this movie. Um and, and it's one of those that you know, one of those movies on my list that I can watch over and over again, never get tired of it, um, laugh at something different every time that I probably missed before or forgot about. Um it's it's just it's such a great movie. Uh, Jason Lee, you know, just played Brody so great. Um, you know, even uh, T.S., um, played by Jeremy London, was just, you know, there's nothing really special about him. Like, he's a very vanilla kind of character, but that's what you need. You know, you need that straight guy to play off of just kind of how insane not just Brody, but <laughs> everybody else in the movie is, you know. Jay and Silent yeah. and all their shenanigans and, um, you know, just how ridiculous Mr. Spinning is about everything. Um, so, you know, you need that kind of just vanilla. But, you know, T.S. was that, and that's exactly what he should have been. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a fun movie. Um, you know, and I think so much, watching it now, and then comparing, you know, you talk about Jason Lee and how he's been comfortable and how he's grown. And, you know, he has a, a pretty extensive resume now. But you just see how much of what you can have to assume is him and Brody. Um, because that's kind of him and all of his characters now, to an extent. You know, even just like, um, you know, the biggest thing I think of with him is My Name is Earl. You know, that TV series he did with Ethan Supley as his. Star. Loved it, and um, yeah, yep. you know, you just just seeing how similar Brody and Earl are. Not even in their, you know, obviously their characters are completely different, their stories completely different, but just kind of that, just the 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 tempo and the mannerisms, and you know, it's just really fun to watch. Um, even now, here, what twenty eight years later, it's still just such a fun watch for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just a good movie, and that's really all I can say about it. It's it's just so good. I agree. It's uh it's just a great movie. I love watching it. I love laughing at it. And I love Jane Silent Bob. Like you said, Jason Lee did amazing as Brody. He's he's a great character, well written. I love all the side characters, even Ben Affleck's douchey shannon um you know adds to the overall uh, ethan supley with willem stanley's cameo michael rooker as you know the dad that typical tough guy dad that hates his daughter's boyfriend um brandy or claire forlani as brandy shannon doherty just the cast is is really good it's a solid movie uh it's always good for a laugh uh it's a nice throwback to the 90s um so yeah, that's that's definitely one of my go-to Kevin Smith comedies. Whenever you want a little bit of nostalgia for the '90s, it's a good oh, one yeah. to go to. One thing I did want to point out mm -hmm. too is uh, yeah. you know talking about the different characters in there. Um, Gil Hicks, he's the third suitor. 
Mm game, you know, played by Brian (laughs) O'Halloran, who, you know, most people probably recognize as Dante. Um, Uh Dante Hicks. Yeah, Dante Hicks. Now he's playing Gil Hicks. And for those who don't know, this is kind of a inside joke just for Kevin Smith. Like, he uh, just wanted to point out that all these people are related to Dante, and every single one of them are more successful than him. You know, uh, (laughs) what did he say? He had some, I I can't remember what he was in here, but, you know, he's somebody. Greek mythology major. Yeah, something like that. And he's, you know, not working at the quick stop. Which, you know, I also did appreciate seeing in the background in one shot, mm-hmm. half a second. But, yeah, you know, in all of, in all of these Askew, uh, Askew uh, Universe movies, there's somebody with the last name of Hicks. And they're all, again, you would never know this, and it doesn't matter. It's never mentioned anywhere else. But it's just something that makes Kevin Smith laugh and kind of builds to how much of a loser Dante is from Clerks. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, this is obviously the first movie um, after Clerks, but, you know, it starts that pattern here. And so I just think that's great. Love that. I love it. And why don't we go ahead now, and uh, as we're closing out, um, why don't you guys give us their, your score for the movie? Let's do it out of, as Oni predicted earlier, the melted chocolate pretzels. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you go ahead, so, Oni, since you stole my thunder. You go first. I'm sorry. I did not mean to either. Like, I just wanted to pitch the idea <laughs> when we got to this stage. I didn't know it was going to be, you know, premonition coming to life here. Uh, I'm going to give it four. Four pretzels. There's a lot of room. There's some room for improvement. Um, but it's still, it's a cult classic for a reason, for sure. A good entry into Kevin Smith. So, four out of five melted pretzels yeah I what about you Richie? with that I, I would give it four out of five melted uh chocolate pretzels as well um it's not a perfect movie by any means but it's it's one for me that i'm just always going to enjoy no matter what so yeah i would give it four very nice okay yeah same i'm i hover between four and four and a half for this one I think um, today it just really hit the spot for me. It was it was such a great movie when I watched it this morning. It was just, I had a great time with it. So I'm at four and a half melted chocolate pretzels out of five. Um, definitely not licking my hand after those pretzels. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm up there. It's it's one of the one of the best, better Kevin Smith um, Viewersk Universe uh, comedies in my opinion. So yeah, I'm sitting at a four and a half on it today. So uh, next movie, um, I believe we're done with the decades for this go-round, so we're going to be watching uh, Hook and recording that at some point in the near future. Uh, Hopefully we can get Daly and Jamie back on for that episode. That'll be fun. That's a great movie, too. So uh, any uh, any last words, guys? You want to say goodbye to the folks out there listening? Wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Don't accept pretzels from strangers. Don't don't get your prop muskets (laughs) stuck in your girlfriend's hair at the governor's ball. (laughs) Yep, that too. (laughs) All right. Awesome. I love it, guys. All right. Thanks for being here, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Death of VHS. Take care. See you next time. Snoochies boochies. (laughs) Snoochie boochies.
The Death of VHS is recorded and produced by John Walls, Dylan Bailey, Jamie Johnson, Abe Ponce, and me, Richie Stevens. Editing by Jamie Johnson. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at DeathOfVHS, and come join us on our Discord to hang out uh, with us and other fans and to discuss the latest episode. You can find the link for our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Death of VHS.